Today is Monday, December 18th, 2023. This is Quick Start from CBN News. I'm Dan Andros. Hostages speak out after a tragic incident in Gaza. We'll have that top story and more on today's podcast, where we bring you news from a Christian perspective. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a rating. You can email us as well. We'd love to hear your thoughts. Quick Start Podcast at CBN.org. Joining me now on this Monday, bright and early to get through the news of the cray, Billy Hallowell. Billy, what's up? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Ready to dive into our pre-Christmas week here. Yeah, one week from Christmas, counting it down. Uh, it's crazy. These couple weeks, you know, everyone's preparing, getting gifts. Hopefully, you've gotten all your gifts. You've made all your Amazon orders out there, and we're <laughs> we're getting ready. Uh, it's interesting because it's like I actually get irritated when I have to go out to the store now. I mean, it's just Amazon has made a lot of this so much easier. Well, and now Walmart, Walmart's deliveries yeah. are like the same day half the time. Yeah. It's like, what in the world is going on? Yeah, and then when you have to get something, oh, I got to leave the house. You, know, you better like this gift because I actually had to leave the house for this one. <laughs> <laughs> I love right. it. It's so true. Yeah, I love so it. hopefully your Christmas preparations are going well. But we're going to get into the news here. Billy, we've got an Oklahoma pastor that we talked to on an incredible um, surge of baptisms. Yeah, this story is pretty crazy. It's Mike Cabone, and he recently had a huge number of Army soldiers come to Christ, so we'll get into what happened there. Very cool, and looking forward to the details there. Also, Harvard, they're not canning their president after her disastrous hearing on anti-Semitism. We dive into that reaction with Madison Seals on today's main thing. All that's coming up and more, but first, we go through the news here in 90 Seconds. Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu spoke over the weekend that he and the nation, although they mourn the unbearable tragedy of three hostages being killed by Israeli troops in Gaza in a friendly fire incident, the nation will continue the battle. And he said that only military pressure can secure the release of hostages and eliminate the threat from Hamas. The hostages, according to officials, likely escaped or were abandoned by Hamas. And the IDF chief said that the shootings were against our rules of engagement, but added the shooting was done during fighting and under pressure. One of the freed hostages who did survive and made it into safety was quoted by the Times of Israel saying that the fear of the captives that they endured daily and the lingering trauma they've experienced since their release is huge. He said, every passing day is terrifying. You have no idea what kind of monsters we're dealing with. If they feel threatened, they will use the captives. And a car smashed into a parked SUV that was part of President Biden's motorcade near his campaign headquarters in Wilmington, Delaware, Sunday. He was unharmed in the, on the incident. Further details are unclear. And a Mississippi Navy Reserve pilot instructor who admitted to beheading a statue of the satanic half-man, half-goat inside the Iowa State Capitol told media he was simply engaging in, quote, Christian civil disobedience. Those are just some of today's top headlines. You can check out those stories and more over at CBNNews.com. Billy, uh, we might, I think we might be speaking to this uh, Navy Reserve pilot here coming up in the coming days, potentially. I know you reached out. And it's an interesting story because, of course, as Christians, we're reviled by the presence of Satan. But then there's this discussion on, like, how do you go about it? And uh, this guy decided to take 
um, a, a drastic measure to go ahead and just behead this this uh, statue. Yeah, no, it, it's one of those really strange situations where you have to kind of look at both sides of it and say, you know, obviously there's no two sides to whether or not we think as Christians right. this is okay. It's not. The symbolism is not okay. You know, you have a lot of complex layers to this. These These Satanists are actually atheists who are masquerading as Satanists, right? They don't believe Satan even exists. And this is an important detail in the discussion because they are taking Satanic imagery and using it. But one of the things that I think is a struggle here is if a group is doing things and it looks like it's for attention and we're giving them more attention, that's part of this discussion where it gets a little tricky too, outside of the actions of whether what he did was okay, beheading it. um, That part, that part weighs on me, right? Like, are we just giving them attention that they want? Right. Yeah, exactly. They're trying to get this attention. He's giving them this attention, but they already were getting attention too, on the other hand. So it's not like this was happening in a vacuum and nobody noticed it. It was making headlines. So you can understand the frustration. Christians are sick of seeing this tactic being used and Satan being trotted out there. And so whether they're seeking attention or not, we need to like stand up and say something. Otherwise, we're going to start having these Satan clubs everywhere. And and I don't know that it's an excuse, right? Like they, are, they, they try to say that, like, well, we don't worship Satan and we're just uh, making a point here. And I would argue that they're in Satan's camp regardless whether they think they are or not. Well, theologically, for sure. Yeah. I mean, right, because you're using the imagery, you're doing all of that. I think that what this really is is an attempt to push back on Christian influence in politics, yeah. in schools. And, you know, they only go after, and we just covered this, right, recently. They they only go after clubs in schools, for instance. They only go after schools that have Christian clubs. If a school does not have a Christian club or a religious club, they're not even interested in starting a Satanist group there. So that tells you everything you need to know. We actually had um, Moises Estevez on um, talking about, and he, he runs the good news clubs um, around the country, yeah. which are the Christian clubs, talking about that very thing. They, they are targeting Christians. So, yeah, there is an element of this, too, of, and this is such a minor element, but it's an important one. It's private property. It's something that somebody... You know, so you have to have that discussion too. destroying something that is private property, whether we like it or not, or think it should be there or not. What happens in that situation? But to your point, yeah, I mean, they're they're absolutely you're serving Satan, whether you think you are or not. Right. Yeah, exactly. So we'll look looking forward to if we do catch up to uh, that gentleman to discuss that and more. And I'm sure it'll be a fascinating conversation. So look forward to that. All right, we're going to move over to the focus story now. And an Oklahoma pastor whose church was recently making headlines after seeing 116 army soldiers accept Jesus. He's speaking out. What's the story? Yeah, this is interesting. This is out in Oklahoma, and it's such a simple story, but it's got a powerful, powerful message. Mike K. Bone, he's the senior pastor of First Baptist Church in Lawton, um, and they normally do at his church this Living Christmas Tree musical, and it's a big Christmas show. They do it for one weekend during the holiday season, and it's kind of crazy when you watch video of it because they have this massive Christmas tree that takes them hours to set up and it's a Christmas tree that people can actually get inside of. It's like made of these metal beams and I don't even know how to describe it, but it's part of their show. People get inside of it and they're singing and it's, it's awesome. They've done this for 40 plus years. I think this is the 42nd time that they have put this Christmas show on. Um, and the church did their show again this year and they added a weekend 
to the show. Normally they do this for one weekend because it's a massive show. It takes a lot of work, a lot of effort. And doing this second show opened the doors for them to minister to the army in a really incredible way. They had tons of, of people coming in from the army for the second show to watch it. And they ended up, they had 700 soldiers come to this show. They initially were, were only planning on a hundred soldiers coming. And, you know, we sat down and interviewed this pastor, Mike, and he was saying, you know, we, we were going to feed the soldiers. We were like, Hey, we want to feed them a meal. So they were trying to get numbers on who was going to come to the show. And they ended up with 700 instead of a hundred people coming, 700 soldiers and 116 of those soldiers ended up accepting Jesus because of that show. Wow. That's incredible. And the church was initially reluctant, were they not to add another Christmas show? Why was that? They were, they were really reluctant. So apparently the guy who runs music at this church came to them and said, I want to do this. I feel like God is telling me to do, we need to do a second show. And they were reluctant because of the amount of work that it takes to do this. And you get, they get a few thousand people, I believe, showing up to the, to these shows. And so at first pastor Mike was like, no, we're not doing it. And then they, they started reflecting and realizing, Hey, you know, Xavier Abraham, who is the worship pastor and wanted to do the second show. He God is clearly speaking to him. And they, and this pastor was saying to me, you know, he's like, look, you know, he always challenges everybody at the church who works for the church. If you hear God speaking, like, let's lean in, like, let's do that. And so they took a step of faith. They did this second show. And what was kind of crazy about this, and you know, the first show they were doing, the army was not able to come to it. The chaplains, they had a scheduling conflict. So none of these soldiers, if they only did the first show, and they did not know this, by the way, when they felt convinced, Pell to do a second show would have been able to come. But the second date they chose was a date they could all be there for. So when you think about it, they would not have been this 160, these 116 people who accepted Jesus at that show would not have done so if they didn't do the second show. Wow. Yeah, that that is incredible. Talk about providential timing right there. I mean, I would think that after almost not doing it and then doing it, that they may be reflecting on that a little bit. Has there been any lessons that the pastor and the church have gleaned from this? Yeah. And this is where the story is really important, right? They absolutely, I mean, they're, they're realizing the connection here, right? So the, so pastor Mike said, he, he's like, after the show, he went out and got some dinner and he got a text message because they, people fill out cards, you know, in at the show decision cards. If they've accepted Christ, they fill out information. And that's how they found out the 116 soldiers mm. had accepted Jesus. And he said, he gets this text message and, and it says 116 salvations. And he's like, I thought it was a typo. Like you don't see that happen, you know, right. like he's like, I thought it was a typo. And so for him to realize that leaning into what God is calling you to do is really important. They could have said, they could have said, we're too busy. We can't do the second show, but God was putting that on the worship pastor's heart. And there was a reason for that. There were people who needed to be there, these army soldiers who needed to be there. And so he said, it showed them the importance of relying on God, discerning his voice and working together to make God's plans, you know, a reality and just being faithful. And I thought that was a pretty cool message. Yeah. It's really fantastic because you know, you think about all the things that you do every year as a church and as Christians, maybe sometimes you lose the plot, right? You, you, you get going and it's sort of rote and it becomes just tradition and lose sight of what can happen at these events. And I mean, I know I do. To see how God works in this, I mean, it just kind of really highlights the significance of doing these sorts of events. 
Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think when you look at this story, the big thing is like, look, these are these army soldiers, their eternity was changed forever. I yeah. thought that was a, gr- a great quote. Um, and he just said, they're going to start their whole lives out, their families out, all of that on the right note because of this. And so they're working on following up, um, you know, with all of these soldiers too, by the way, to make sure that they can disciple them. That's great. Yeah. And you just, it just goes to show you never know. You never know how God's going to use something, even the smallest thing you do or the biggest Christmas show you do or the smallest conversation you have. You have no idea how God is going to use the saints to draw more people to himself. And that's just the way he does it. And it's a blessing for us that we're able to engage in that and take part in that uh, with Jesus. And so just we get to sit back and watch God work. And so it's just kind of incumbent on us to not forget that that's the way God does things. And we can expect things like this to happen when we when we least expect it. But great story. Appreciate you bringing it to us today, Billy. That's going to lead us on over here to the main thing. And Harvard University, they decided recently to keep their president, Claudine Gay, after she and other Ivy League universities faced criticism about their lack of response on anti-Semitism on campus. And this is just one university's response following that grilling uh, by congressional lawmakers last week. Well, Madison Seals talked to Scott Phillips, who's executive director of Passages Israel, about what he's hearing from Christian students and whether universities are doing enough to combat anti-Semitism. That's today's main thing. The House Education Committee announced an investigation into Harvard, Massachusetts Institute of Technology, and the University of Pennsylvania over acts of anti-Semitism on their campuses. We've heard and seen case after case in the last few months of violent acts and speech towards Jewish students. And not only that, but some students actually vocalizing their support for terrorism. Scott, in your perspective as someone who works directly with high school and college-age students, What do you think is behind the anti-Semitism in our supposedly most prestigious universities? Sure. Well, thank you so much for having me on uh, today. I think as a foundation for this and as just a framing for this, Jewish students feel afraid to be outwardly Jewish on their campuses. Um, That also goes for Jews, you know, across the country that are off campus as well. But speaking about on campus, when these are young people, they're in the ages of 18 to 23, 4, 5. And the fact that they feel afraid to be Jewish uh, anywhere in the United States is really problematic and really begs the question of how can this happen in America? And, you know, for example, the percentage of Jewish students who said they feel comfortable with others on campus knowing that they are Jewish has dropped by nearly half since October 7th. And furthermore, mm-hmm. 73% of Jewish college students surveyed have experienced or witnessed some form of anti-Semitism since the beginning of this school year alone. So really, the problem here is that Jews feel afraid to be Jewish on campus. And even non-Jews are saying that their administrations are not, you know, where these things are happening are not doing enough to combat this anti-Semitism. And so really what you have here is a situation where you have, quote, pro-Palestinian students, or even a lot of times they're not even students. They're recruited from other places to go and protest on these campuses, chanting uh, anti-Semitic things, phrases like, from the river to the sea, Palestine will be free. What a lot of people don't understand is that it actually means from the Jordan River 
to the Mediterranean Sea, there should exist no Israel. And what that means is wiping the Jews off of the map, so to speak, because there's a lot of Jews. The state of Israel exists between the Jordan River and the Mediterranean Sea. And, you know, some of these protesters go even further to, to talk about the destruction of Jews, the death of Jews in general. And so uh, this, this new version, I would say newer version of anti-Semitism, because anti-Semitism has been around for so long. It's just taken on different forms. This uh, current version of anti-Semitism is incredibly worrying because it, it can turn violent, uh, with Jewish students locking themselves in a library um, while pro-Palestinian uh, protesters bang on the door to try to get in. Uh, it just makes them feel very unsafe. Oh, yeah, I can't even imagine. And thank you for sharing some of the stats and just what you've heard from some of these Jewish students directly being impacted by anti-Semitism and the actions that these universities are taking or not taking to address it. And so far, just over the last week or so, we've heard from these university presidents and their defenses were honestly pretty shocking. The University of Pennsylvania president and others testified that calling for Jewish genocide requires a, quote, context-dependent analysis to see if it violates university discrimination and harassment policies. That was the end of the quote. So basically, their defense was free speech, but these same schools often push and promote on-campus rules regarding discrimination and harassment directed towards other minorities, especially those associated with gender identity. So how would you respond to their defense of free speech? You could tell very well watching, you know, just the videos of, of the, the testimonies of these presidents. And they say it would have to be taken on a case-by-case -case basis. And would calling for the genocide of Jews be a, an incident for harassment would go against their policies? And they said their their response was, at least the uh, UPenn uh, president, was in, if the speech turned into conduct. And so what does conduct mean? Does it mean actual genocide of Jews, killing violence against Jews? To your point, if, you know, there was threatening speech made against other communities, that would certainly be considered harassment. And so the question begs itself, why is this different for Jews? You know, why, why is a different measure taken for the Jewish community and Jewish students? The, the fact that these presidents couldn't just say, yes, that's harassment when, you know, people are calling for the extinction of your people. And so I, I think the inability to say yes or no was really telling. The University of Pennsylvania's president, Liz McGill, resigned after one of the school's largest donors, Ross Stevens, withdrew his donation, valued at about $100 million. He said the school's anti-Semitism response violated the terms of his gift. But Harvard University and its board decided to keep President Claudine Gay on staff. Do you think actions like Ross's make a difference? And how do you think universities and donors should respond in light of all these events? I sure hope so. I mean, it, people have to do what they what what they can uh, to be able to stop this. And certainly, a hundred million dollar gift, it's a very clear message, and it, it's definitely uh, definitely uh, provide I think motivation to to be able to to stand up in a, in a more clear way against against anti-Semitism, against uh, you know sort of this radicalism that we see right now. I think it can help. Uh, I wish we lived in a better world where it wouldn't take a hundred million dollar gift uh, to have to motivate someone to speak out against anti-Semitism, the calling of genocide against the Jews, to speak out against that, to say that that is harassment. But unfortunately, in this case, that's what it, it had to come to. And so, you know, these actions taken by donors and others, petitions going around, doing whatever they can to be able to bring attention to this and create change is really important. 
Yes. And I want to end on your perspective and thoughts from your work with passages since working with students and taking them on educational trips to Israel is is really at the core of what you do. As we discuss anti-Semitism and how to respond to it on college campuses and elsewhere, what should we keep in mind? Sure, sure. Well, one of the things that Passages is very much focused on is engaging with emerging Christian leaders. So that's high school and college students, you know, for us, and and introducing them to Israel, introducing them to the Jewish community, introducing them to the roots of their faith that exist within Judaism, helping uh, them understand, uh, aside from, of course, just the human element of you know, why we should be against anti-Semitism, um, the very strong connection between Christians and Jews, and how that connects to their faith, how that connects to their identity as Christians, and how really we should be natural allies, natural partners, if not even family members, cousins, or something like that, you know, as Jews and Christians, you know, with shared values, with, uh, you know, shared Judeo-Christian values. And so helping students um, understand that connection so that, that they can stand up for Israel and for the Jewish community and stand against anti-Semitism. Too many times in the church's history, there were not enough Christians standing against anti-Semitism. So one of our goals at Passages is to not let this happen again and to create a movement of emerging Christian leaders who are rooted in their biblical faith and building bridges of friendship with Israel and the Jewish community. So I, I think to your question, our students helping their, you know, letting their Jewish colleagues, their peers know that they are not alone this time. And so many Jews do feel alone and don't even realize uh, passages. We showed up to the big uh, rally in D.C. Um, for Israel several weeks ago. And time after time, the thank yous, the high fives, the hugs, the tears all were accompanied by, we thought we were alone, but you are here. And so, you know, to be able to show up with 700 young people in DC to stand along the Jewish community, alongside the Jewish community, we want to do that on campus too, where we can. And we want our students and our students have a desire to show solidarity. So it is, uh, it's, it's an issue of our day and uh, Passages is here, honestly, for such a time as this. That's what we believe. That's awesome. And I'm glad that you are. And thank you for your time and your insight today, Scott. Really appreciate everything you do. Well, thanks for having me on. All right, Madison, thanks for conver that conversation there. Obviously important to have Christians standing with Jewish students as they deal with this unbelievably shocking anti-Semitism that's going on on campuses and the really weak, empathetic response by many of these universities. It's really something else. So glad to see that somebody is uh, pushing the movement there to have people let them know that, no, not everybody wants them uh, gone from the river to the sea. So appreciate that conversation. Madison, that's going to leave us with time here on the podcast for one last thing. Philippians 2, 3 through 4, it reads, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. That is a convicting verse, valuing mm -hmm. others above yourselves. I mean, it's, it's something we're always working towards, but it's tough. Way it's tough easier one. said than done, no doubt about it. <laughs> it's like, yeah, sure, I'll just think about this before myself. But, I mean, look, we're... we're sinful creatures we tend to look towards ourselves first so it's a good reminder and something we should be praying about how can we look outward instead of inward every day all right lord willing and that creek don't rise we shall return tomorrow with more god bless have a great rest of your monday